Hi, and welcome to Pass Her the Mic, a lifestyle, wellness, personal development mini-series with your host, yours truly, Deandra Kanu. Please welcome Rachel Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. No problem. So excited. I say that you're the hardest person to get to do anything. (laughs) Because you're the worst texter. Did you see what I posted I did, the other day? I did. Someone sent, <laughs> Nina sent it to me, Nina Parker, and I was like, that is so me. I'm the worst texter. You are, and it made me really happy to see that other people feel the same way. It's not you. I, I, Rachel, <laughs> there was one point where I was texting Natasha, and I was like, I think Rachel's mad at me. And she was like, why? And I was like, because she's not responding to my text. And she's like, Deandra, she doesn't respond to anyone's text. I'm, what I'm, is it? I'm a very in-the-moment person. So how do we contact you? I mean, texting is probably the best way. I have to text you six times. I am on my phone, but I'm always like, okay, I'll get to my text. And then I don't. Like, the best thing that Apple did for me was that I can mark messages unread because I'll Uh, see them. And I'm like, oh, I'll go back to it. I'm trying to get better. But no, it's not just you. Thank God. So many people were like, yep, that's you. That's you. I just, I don't know. Just, I'm here. You are here. I'm focused. Or I'm like reading something i'm on my phone to to catch up on what's happening in the world yeah i'm not even a big social media person are you a phone person like if someone calls you are you gonna answer yeah because i'm you know i might be walking the dogs i'm usually driving so i will i will pick up the phone actually maybe calling is the best thing that you could do okay from now on you i will be calling your phone call me so if I need something, I'm going to call. Can I also say, I just have to compliment you. I'm so happy that this has all come to fruition. I know that you've talked about this. You've manifested it. And so now to be sitting in your space doing your podcast, it's a big deal. You should pat yourself on the back. Thank you. I'm Literally, I, I know I've told you so many times the things that I've wanted to do. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I felt like cognitive dissonance. Like I knew what I should have been doing. Yeah. And I just couldn't find a way to make it happen. And then I found Vince, who is my recording guy. And it just aligned perfectly. Yeah. So thank God. And it's scary to take that step. It is. Second thing, I'm a really big ASMR person. Ooh. And you have the most soothing voice. You should really think about maybe making, you know, like quick 10 minute, 15 minute videos, just whispering. I love that. Yeah. You know what? You're not the first person to say that. I love (laughs) ASMR so much. I think I'm going to, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to need to start. Um, I'm really excited to have you here because I look up to you. I feel like you're kind of like a mentor mixed with a friend, mixed with someone who's done a lot of things that I feel like align with what I want to do. And knowing that you started off your career as an attorney and you've pivoted into the entertainment space, I really want you to be able to communicate with our listeners what it looks like to pivot and create your personal brand. So going into life, like your adulthood, did you know you always wanted to be an attorney or what did that even, what did that decision look like to you? Yeah, I've always wanted to be an attorney. My dad was an attorney and I just looked up to my dad. I thought my dad was the coolest, biggest thing ever. And I would watch him, you know, start from not much, make a way for himself, promise certain things that if he, you know, by this time he was going to be here. And I just watched, like, I didn't see all of it, but just hearing him say that story and then watching him be a first in so many ways, I was like, I just want to be just like my dad. So from an early age, I was like, I'm going to be an attorney. Um, And then as I got in college, I started off as a government major, hated it thought I was too fun for it. Talking to someone, they told me about sports management. I was like, oh, that's everything that I wanna do. 
And I switched my major, but I promised my dad I would still go to law school. And I, and I did, I wanted to, but the more I got involved with my major, I thought, huh, maybe there are other things out here that I want to do. Because that major is law, communications, business, you know, economics, and it's, I mean, it kind of teaches you how to run a sports team or be an agent or something like that. So I, I had like this inkling to do something else, but I was like, but I said I was gonna be a lawyer and I'll regret it. Um, I worked for the NBA right after college, but I still decided to go to the law school, um, to law school after. And I practiced law, but I hit a point, I hit a wall maybe like five years in where I felt like I wasn't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything I said I was going to do, but something just wasn't right. I felt like I was constantly staring out out of the window wondering what was going to happen next or, you know, should I do this? And I was kind of dipping my toe in some things, asking people questions, but I was too afraid until The Bachelor came about. And that gave me the escape and the opportunity and eventually the platform to springboard from that and do other things that I wanted to. And even after that, and this is, you know, I've talked to you about this, it wasn't like people said, oh my gosh, she was on TV, or she was the first black bachelorette, we're gonna give her all of this. I mean, I went to ESPN, I thought, oh, they know about me, they know. <laughs> I've focused on sports law, sports management, I'm a big fan, they're gonna give me this amazing opportunity. And they said no, best no I could have received, because it let me know, you know, first off, come down a couple of notches, stop feeling yourself, you need to show that you even deserve an opportunity. And so I still practice law, but I went back to the drawing board, coming up with different ideas of how I could create my own space, but also flying myself out for free to take opportunities to build up a reel, um, to show my knowledge in sports, to show my legal side, to even talk about The Bachelor in ways that other people want, weren't doing. I was trying to carve a space for myself and establish myself as something more than just being a bachelorette. And eventually that paid off and I was networking. You cannot forget networking. I feel like people don't network like they used to. And so I just kept knocking on doors, kept messaging people, annoying people, going to different events, never said no to anything. And that eventually turned into something, an opportunity where when it presented itself, I was ready. And then from there, I was able to build on to other things. I think that's so inspiring. That goes a lot to what I imagine a lot of people are thinking. They want something, they feel like something is unfulfilled in their life. They're trying, they're trying, they're getting a lot of no's, but it's like you are getting these no's and you waited until the opportunity came, yeah. which can be very hard. Yeah, I, I, I'm experiencing that now. And you said multiple things in that that I just want to caveat on. One, you said you had to humble yourself and remind yourself, you know, I'm not going to get a door open just because I was on television. I don't think you were wrong for thinking that because I've seen other people in the same space who have been awarded opportunities just because they were the bachelorette. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily want to make it about race, but I don't blame you for saying I was the bachelorette. I see these people doing X, Y, Z. I would assume yeah. the same door should be opening for me. And they weren't. And so... It's not like you got down and were like, what was me, thankfully, because you built your entire career, but you did realize like you're going to have to work a little bit harder. Yeah. And, and I got a lot of no's, by the way. People don't, we don't talk enough about the no's. I got a lot of no's. It wasn't just ESPN. A lot of people were like, no. But was it a no period or was it no because? It was more of no because. No because a sports audience, that's what I wanted to do, sports. They were like, the sports audience doesn't know who you are. I kept getting told that. They don't know who you are. You need to prove to them that you understand 
the game that you're trying, you know, for me, I wanted to do football. So you need to understand, you understand the game, you know what you're talking about. You need to prove it to people. I constantly kept getting that. I tried out for several sports shows, opportunities to do sideline reporting. And my first sideline reporting opportunity was awful. You I were was, awful or the experience I, was awful? Both, but I was terrible. You, you can probably find it if you do a deep research out there. I'm nothing like I am today. I wasn't necessarily ready for that. I didn't come in the right way. And I'm sure somebody saw that, and maybe that's why they said no to me. But I, I mean, a lot of no's. Interesting. And I guess when you have success, I look at you and I think that you're successful from my point of view. So when you look at someone who is successful, you don't realize that they face a lot of rejection and rejection is really the reason that they're in the place that they are for a majority mm -hmm. of people. Um, and facing rejection, how did you overcome that mentally? Was it, how come you never just fell back into the space of I'm gonna do law? Cause you had a whole degree, you were practicing as an yeah. attorney. What made you move forward and continue on this journey even though you faced rejection and it felt like you were hitting a wall? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I, I don't, something within told me to keep going. I mean, one no just can't ruin an, an entire opportunity. I felt like I hadn't given my all. And at the end of the day, if something works out or doesn't work out, I always wanna say I did everything that I possibly could. And when I was receiving those no's, I didn't feel like I had done everything or I thought maybe I can pivot, right? You talk to some of the most successful people, their first business out wasn't the, pro most likely was not the most successful. They probably went through bankruptcy, they got a lot of no's, they had to pivot. So I thought, well, let me pivot a little bit. People know me, I'm going only in a sports. I know my background in sports, other people don't. They don't know what I've done. So I thought people know me through entertainment, through pop culture. So let me pivot by putting myself in a position where I can show I know what I'm talking about and I can have my own personality and opinion and a presence in the pop culture space because I do have a little bit more respect for that. That's how I moved into entertainment because those opportunities were more available to me. And I thought, and then I can, you know, weave in sports or law or, or politics, whatever it may be in with that. So I think that sometimes take the no as a reset. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can pivot into something else. Or maybe you have to shift a little bit. That's just how business is in general. I hear that. I think for a lot of young listeners, whenever I listen to podcasts and I hear people say, you know, one no doesn't mean they should turn away. Like, you know, you want to face 100 no's. That's a good thing. You should face 100 no's because it's the 101th person that you ask that says yes. But to me, it's frustrating because I'm like, I want you to get granular. How did you face that? How were you working a full-time job and then also chasing your dreams? Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you financially? Were you sleeping on a friend's couch? Did you have to sacrifice certain things? And if yeah. you don't mind me asking, I really want to understand and I want the listeners to understand the technicalities of it. So you were practicing as an attorney full-time. Did you quit your job? Were you still practicing? Did you live off of the savings? Were you, you obviously said you dipped yeah. into your personal budget to fly places. Can you explain the situation where you were in your life, how you were able to do that? Yeah. Once people tell me that I'm a, like, oh, you took these, a risk, you know, you left legal and you went to entertainment. I'm not as much of a risk taker as people think. That's why I kept practicing law. I wanted to still get a full paycheck and then, be able to do what I wanted to in my free time. And so yes, there's I wasn't sacrificing financially, but I mean, I guess I was by dipping into my own personal budget to fly myself out and put myself up, but I had that and I had a foundation and I felt solid. And I knew I could always come back to it. So I wasn't like going in 100%. But what I did sacrifice was my well-being, a little bit of my health, 
because I had no time, even my relationship, because I was with Brian at that time. I had no time for anything. Every minute was a hustle for me. And it was sitting in my hairdresser's chair, because you know they can be like therapists sometimes, and I told her, I was like, I am burnt out, I am dying. And she said, what is, and I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere, to be honest as well. I was doing stuff, but nothing was hitting on what I really wanted to do as a media personality. So she said, what is it that you're doing that's holding you back from what you really wanna do? And I was like, my legal career, but I'm too afraid to let it go because it's defined me for such a long time. I was afraid of what my parents would think. I was afraid of what the public would think. People, I felt like I had a lot of respect because I was the smart bachelor. You're an academic. Yeah. And so people were like, well, she went back to her career. And I, I was applauded for that. So I thought if I leave this and I do something in Hollywood, what will people say about me? And so there was a lot of that that I struggled within. And she said, she said to me a saying that I've heard quite a bit, but at the time I had not heard it. She said, you can't pour out of an empty cup. And I was so empty, so deflated. And she said, you'll never know what can happen if you just let go of what's holding you back and just see if releasing that will allow you to fly. Next week, I put in my resignation, and so I started 2019 not practicing any law for the first time since 2011, and I said, I'm going to fully immerse myself in this, and the moment that I did that, so many doors opened up. People saw that I was serious. I had more time to devote to it. Um, I was more available for certain things that came up. I had more focus on what, in tune to what was happening in the industry where I could make myself available for an event, um, to network with certain people, all of that. And I never looked back since. So for me, that was, I think that's answering your question, kind of the moment for me. It wasn't a financial struggle, but it was taking a risk of this is what's defined me for so long, which is weird because I'm kind of in that space again. So it, it's, it's, especially in this industry, you know, wanting to get into it, it will always be like that because there's so many ups and downs. I don't work at Extra anymore. Extra defined me for three years. Now I'm in the space of, okay, what do I do? That's, that's the schedule that I had, the life that I had. That's what people knew about me. Will people take me seriously in the next venture? Will the next venture come? It's crazy. And it's like, Rachel, you've done it before. And, and financially now things are different because I let go of that job and I only have one job now. So I'm like, I'm, you know, even talking this out with you, it's like, Rachel, you've been here before. You've done this. Things can change tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. You just never know. I think that's really exciting. And that's why I like that you have something to say about pivoting because you're mm -hmm. not afraid to pivot. And I feel like there's also this expiration date on women it's like as soon as you hit 30 you need to have the career you need to have the husband you need yeah. to have the kids you need to have the house and I feel like you do what's on your heart at that time and I feel like that's really inspiring to other women because even myself like I'm tur I turned 27 and I feel like the world is about to end <laughs> I'm not I'm not it's kidding. just starting it, and that's what I need people to go on the internet and remind other women and yeah. even men, your life is not over just because you start something when you hit 30 yeah. or just because you start something even when you hit 40, like your life's not over. But you talked about a little bit of your mental health. So, or even maybe your physical health. What did that look like when you were working full time as an attorney mm -hmm. and trying to do the entertainment and how did you manage the stress or the pressure? Give me a day in the life. I mean, I didn't manage the stress or pressure. I was just taking things one day at a time, just giving enough. It's like, what's the saying? Um, 
a jack of all trades, master of nothing. None. Yeah. That was me. That totally defined me. I was doing the bare minimum in everything that I was doing. So I wasn't great. I want to be great at everything that I do. That's so that was you know, you say take you through a day in the life. I mean, I mean, like wake up 5 a.m. I, I, no, that'll <laughs> never be me. But now I'm, it's weird. It's like now that I'm in, once I got to 35, I cannot sleep past a certain time. I love to wake up in the six, between six and seven. After seven, that's too late for me. Yeah. Uh, but I wake up early in the morning. I'd get up, go to the office, work a full day as an attorney, which nine to five, nine to five easily, but really as an attorney, it's not nine to five. Always working. You're always working. But I would at least work nine to five. I'd come home. I'd try to give something to Brian. But I was watching a lot of stuff. Like to be in the, in the in, you got to watch in this industry, you got to watch news, pop culture, sports, just to stay on top of stuff. I'm reading stuff on the internet. So there was, I was doing a lot of that. Or sometimes that wasn't my day. It was, I get up in the morning, I might go into the office for a couple of hours, I might leave and fly to LA. And while I'm on that flight, I'm reading through depositions, I'm typing up notes, I'm writing a motion. I used to call, when I, during that time, I used to call the airplane in the airport my office. I mean, I would completely set up, that's where I could get my best work done. Go to a hotel, be on this show, but prep for before I was being on that show. Um, I was writing articles at that time um, on The Bachelor for Us Weekly, so I had to watch the show. So when you're usually when you're writing and you're podcasting, you at least have to do whatever, watch whatever you're doing twice, just to fully grasp it. One for entertainment, then to analyze it. So I'm doing all of that. I'm watching the show. I'm about to start podcasting for The Bachelor. I mean, there was just so much going on, and actually. 2018, which is when I, fall of 2018, when I really just like hit a wall. I was working as an attorney all through the week. I would leave Friday after work and I would fly to Hartford, Connecticut. I would, cause I was doing radio for ESPN, a five hour radio show. Mm. I'd fly to Hartford. I'd get on a shuttle, get a rental car. And sometimes it would be snowing, which I don't do get in a rental car, drive from Hartford, Connecticut to Bristol, Connecticut, which is 40 minutes. Then, so it's like midnight, one in the morning, because I'm catching the last flight out. Hopefully it's not um, delayed. Sleep, wake up, watch football all day, analyze, prep for the games, because I was doing games from the afternoon games to the evening games and then analyzing it. And I'm a fish, a fish out of water. I had no business having a radio show at that time. Totally intimidated with the best former coaches, former athletes, and current analysts. Like I had no business being there. And so I was always felt like I was trying to catch up. And then I would fly back Sunday, well no, Monday morning, I would fly back and go straight to the office and do it all over again. And Ooh. I was still writing at that time for Us Weekly and watching the show. So it was- It's a lot. Too much. I feel like it's a balancing act of starting before you're ready, but then also knowing when to jump. Yeah. And understanding that dynamic. And that's not always going to be a perfect time. Even conversations with you and I where when I first came to L.A., this was a year and a half ago, I was like, I want to quit my job. I want to go into entertainment. And you were like, if that's where your heart is, like do it 100%. But knowing me, I needed the stability because I was like paying for my apartment and I have like all these other things that I am obligated to pay for. And part of me is like, I wish I would have, but part of me is glad I didn't just because the industry of entertainment is just so unpredictable yeah. and you can see the ups and downs. But 
I'm now playing the dance of pouring as much as I can and starting before I'm ready. Like even with the podcast, like you're never going to feel hundred percent. Yeah. And then knowing when to take the leap and just truly go after what you want, which is exactly what you did. You were doing a thousand different things until it was like, this is what I need to do. And then taking that jump. Yeah. So I think that's very inspiring. Thank you. Before you even went into the entertainment industry or you can, you can say if there's two different times in your life that you felt like this, but what did success look like? So when your mind, when you're thinking about I've made it, what did that look like to you? And have you hit it? You know, it changes. So at that time, we'll just take 2018 since we're talking about it. At that time, success to me, even into 2019, it looked like stability. Mm. That was success for me because everything was so chaotic. And even moving into 2019, I was planning a wedding. I had auditioned for Ghosted, the MTV show. And to, to speak on that, and this is why I say you say yes to everything. You never know what opportunity leads to what. You never know who's watching. You never know who you impress just by being yourself. The reason I got Ghosted or got an audition for Ghosted is because I was on Wild and Out. And I was on Wild and Out because I'm a super fan of that show. And I was drunk on the couch one day with Brian, and I was like, I should do that show. And I called somebody, and I was like, hey, you think you can get me on that show? And they were like, yeah, a couple of producers are actually Bachelor fans. Went on the show, had the best time, and it was from that moment that they said, hey, remember Rachel? She's a lawyer. She did this. She was cool to work with. Maybe we should bring her in for an audition a year later. So it's like you just never know. But in 2019, I was doing, planning a wedding, doing Ghosted, still flying myself back and forth to LA. I moved to Miami. So I was going from Miami to LA or Miami to New York. I was doing a guest spot on Strahan, Sarah, and Kiki every week. So I was flying to New York as well. Where I got ghosted, we're filming ghosted. It was just chaotic. And I just remember saying to Brian, like, I just want stability. And actually what I did after our wedding and our honeymoon, I moved to LA. I don't even know if I've told you this. I moved to LA for a month. I don't think so. Where were, were you staying? I Airbnb. Carrie, Carrie, shout out to Carrie Fetman, stylist on The Bachelor. I stayed, thank God, so I didn't have to pay for rent. We were living in Miami, and I remember saying to Brian, I need to know if I can do this. I need to go to LA for one month. I need to network, take meetings with people, bet on myself, see who I meet, and just let people know I am serious about moving to LA if possible. That's how I ended up getting extra. I started. I had meetings with them. I started talking about bachelor stuff. I started freelancing. I started saying what I could do if I was a part of it. And a year later, I ended up getting that. Um, yeah, I was just taking meetings with other people. I you know, started to do some, take some meetings with the ringers, started to do all of that, which eventually led to higher learning. And it was everything for me, but I, was, I had to make that sacrifice. Of course, you know, talking it out with my significant other, I wouldn't just jump before I said, okay, this is what, you know, I want to do, I want to bet on myself with this. So yeah, so I'm saying all that to say, it was chaotic and success to me looked like stability with, with one job, you know, hopefully more, and doing that over and over again and building something with that. Mm -hmm. And I eventually got that with extra. Mm -hmm. That's, I felt like, oh my gosh, I got this dream job that I wanted changed it was but, time demanding wasn't it <laughs> you don't know everything until you get into yeah. it but I loved what I was doing and I knew what I was doing every day not within the day but every day I knew I was waking up and I was getting extra that to me was success so you hit it in one sense of yeah in one sense 
it's different for me now. And not just because I left extra, but as I was doing that job and I was doing so many things, now success to me looks like creating something. Mm. I want to create. I want to develop stuff. I still want to do the things that I was doing with extra. I still want to host. I still want to interview. But it would look like a number of things. When I used to walk into interviews, I used to say, I want to be the female Michael Strahan. Because I look at Michael, shout out to Strahan, I look at him and I'm like, he's doing everything. He's doing entertainment, he's doing sports, he's hosting game shows, he's got his own business. It's like a household family name now. Yeah, household family name. He's got, he's a businessman, he's respected, he's the nicest person ever. And he's a family man, and I'm like, I want that. I want somebody who has it all. And so that to me would be success of me getting to fill every single one of my buckets, a little bit of sports, a little bit of entertainment. I want to do things that are meaningful and that I'm, I'm passionate about and I do things with purpose. I want to reach back and do things with the community. I have huge um, passion for education. So I want to do more in that space. I want to do, um, I love what we're doing with higher learning. I want to see higher learning grow, grow more to where, you know, you might be listening to us in a podcast format, but also watching us on a streaming platform. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love a daily show, you know, like The View. <laughs> the View, um, hire her. I, I want my own product. I want to mentor young women. I used to do that before, regularly, before I left Dallas. So there's so many different things that I want to do, but I also want to create and develop. I want to take ideas that I'm passionate about and you know, see what I can do with that, whether it's an unscripted thing, it's, doc it's a documentary, it's a mockumentary, that's an idea that I have. It's, um, you know, I, I just, I want to do, to create and develop, because I also have realized that to have longevity in this industry, you have to create. Mm -hmm. I feel like you have to also keep up with the times, what people want. So mm -hmm. it's having the creative mindset, but also knowing what's relevant which goes back into what you're saying about you have to be watching the shows, you have to be on social media to some capacity, yeah. which is very draining and exhausting for people who are academics like yourself and not necessarily that's not your entire life, but it's like you like a portion of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's amazing. Um, I was going to ask you about, I saw something on social media mm -hmm. um, about maybe an appearance on a television show or a movie. Are you able to say anything about that? Okay, per SAG rules, I can't promote any type of TV show or movie. Okay. But I can't deny what you've seen. Okay, so my, <laughs> my, my eyes aren't deceiving me. I think that that would be amazing if I saw you on something that was scripted, that's acting. Mm -hmm. And that's a different lane for you because I feel like you're scripted in the hosting segment maybe or like not even scripted in the hosting segment. But that's just another avenue that you're opening for yourself. You're not closing any doors off and saying this is the only thing that I am which goes back into personal branding, which I feel like you're really good at. And I think it was you that gave me this piece of advice that I, you know, I wanted to do the talking and the hosting and all the, these different things. And you're mm -hmm. like, okay, so like, what are you doing on your Instagram that shows that? And essentially like your Instagram is your resume. So maybe you should start doing, you know, if it's talking segments about a certain thing. And yeah. I just remember that really resonated with me because that was helping me understand that Instagram is your resume. So when someone goes to your page or someone goes to your TikTok or someone, it should be a little bit of who you are. They should be able to look at that, scroll and be like, okay, this is what she is to yeah. a degree. And I took that away from me or I took that away with me. But can you talk more about personal branding for anyone who is on a journey to maybe be something 
what are the things that they need to consider? How do they need to present themselves? Yeah, I that that I did tell you that, and that's one of those things where it's like do as I say and not as I do because I am so bad at social media. I am, and I need to get better. And to be very, very frank, one of the reasons I'm so bad at it is because I'm intimidated by it. It scares me. It is intimidating, though. It is, and and it's not because I care about what people comment or say. I think at this point, we all know I can't curse, right? You can if you want. Okay, I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> that, doesn't bo- that doesn't bother me. It's just more of, do I feel silly putting myself out here? I think that's the insecurities, not think, that is the insecurity that I have. You know, I have certain ideas that I want to do, especially like in sports. I mean, even before we even start this podcast, I'm watching the Cowboys game and I'm talking to you and and you're like, oh, wait, this is happening, this is happening. And I'm like, yeah, girl, this, 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 this. And I always have friends asking me, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, a Lakers game. Give me a tip. I'm like, maybe I should do something with that. But I'm scared. I'm scared of what people are going to think I'm silly or stupid. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm saying that to say, one, it's important for me to always not make it seem like I can do it all or that I'm overly confident in everything. A lot of things scare and intimidate me, too, no matter what my resume is. Or what I've done to this point. When it comes to personal brand and being on top of what's relevant, it's social media. Mm -hmm. It truly is. And I mean, that's why I eventually got on TikTok. I'm not good at it, but I I always like your stuff. I try to support your page. Oh, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. It needs help. It needs (laughs) at the Rach Lindsay. You can buy me on TikTok. I'm just not good at it. But that's why I eventually had to get get on it. You're right. You know, when you're talking about that, social media is your resume. And even if you're not getting the likes that you want, I was talking to um, Terrell from the Terrell Show, and we sat next to each other on a plane, and he has a huge YouTube music show, like platform. Everybody knows Terrell. He gets, he got Janet Jackson on his show. And when you hear his story, it is incredible from him moving here to not having a job, to where he was staying, to being a tour guide on a a studio lot, to eventually posting up his video. It got one like a hundred, then thousands, then 10,000, then millions. And it's just the consistency of finding what you want to do and staying on that path. I think for us coming off reality TV, we've seen and known a lot of people who take the low-hanging fruit because it's thrown at them, it's easy. But I think the key to success is knowing what you want to do and staying in that lane. There's so many other opportunities I could have had, but I, I knew what I wanted to do when I came off the show, and I would say no to a lot because it didn't fit in what I was trying to do. And so I think that when it comes to personal branding, find what your thing is and stay doing that thing. Everything that you do should feed into that, And then everything that you are should reflect that, whether it's social media, whether it's going to a certain event, whether it's making those connections. I mean, people are still using LinkedIn, guys, especially a lot of these executives at higher levels who are in charge of casting and all of that. Update your LinkedIn, put stuff on your LinkedIn, find people through LinkedIn and connections, and then stay consistent with that. I think it's also when you're building your personal brand, don't take the first no as all no's. Say, okay, I'm going to go another way. I'm going to pivot as well. So I think all of that is important, but your brand should be particular, your personal brand. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be a jack of all trades because you can't, you shouldn't be a jack of all trades because you can't master 
every single thing. Yeah. You really can't. I think that's really good advice. And that's something that I also struggle with is I feel like I'm very much all over the place, but I've been working on streamlining social media. So a couple takeaways from what you said that I think is really important that maybe the listeners can take home with them is that social media is important. It, I've hear so many people say social media isn't real. It, it doesn't matter. You can post whatever online. I'm like, be very careful what you post on social media because it'll eventually come back to you or it's representative of who you are to somebody else. It doesn't matter if you don't think it's relevant to you or representative of you. Yeah. If you're putting stuff out there that's either inappropriate or explicit and it's not actually what you want people to perceive you as, they're going to perceive you as that. And they're going to look at that and say, okay, like this is who that person is. And again, you take it with a grain of salt because it's not your entire personality, but it's what you're presenting to the world. It's like when you go to a dinner and the way that you act at that dinner, people are going to perceive you of that as that, even if that's not who you really are, maybe you're putting on a fake face, whatever it may be. So I think that's really important to consider. And maybe people should take it more seriously if you have something that you're trying to achieve. Another comment that you made that I find very interesting, and I think I think about all the time is that I'm really interested in like hosting and like maybe like teleprompter reading or things that are more like scripted and interview like in person with a production. Social media is a self-production and mm -hmm. I find it harder to set up my camera, like come up with the concept myself and film it all myself. I find that way harder than showing up and interacting like maybe on a podcast or like if I was reading off a teleprompter yeah. or even if I was on a red carpet. For some reason, my brain just, they're two different things to me. They are though. Yeah. And one is more intimidating than the other, which is interesting because we have a room full of people that you were recording in front of. And I don't think twice, but mm -hmm. when I'm in my room by myself talking to the camera, I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. So I don't blame you for being slightly intimidated. And everyone's like, you're this television personality. How can you not get on social media and do these things? But that's the way my mind works. I don't know if that's how yours works. No, absolutely. It is because it's your thing. You're putting your name, your reputation on this. And that's very intimidating. But then when I listen to you say, I'm setting up this camera, I'm putting this all together, I'm developing these questions, you realize you're a producer. Yeah. And that's something that you're not when you show up to somebody else's podcast. Right. You're creating, you're developing, you're producing. That's where you beef up that LinkedIn and you, you know, you title what your project is and all that you're doing. And that puts you above other people because most people aren't willing to put in the work. They just, you know, like see where you are now and they don't see what you did to get there. So that's really, really important. And it's rewarding when it pays off too. I like that you made that point because I talk to Vince, the videographer all the time about how I get frustrated that, you know, it's like I have to find the people that I want to interview. I have to schedule the times. I have to come up with the concept, with the questions and like schedule everybody together, make sure he's available, that I'm available, and that even if I'm having a bad day, like I don't get to just turn it off because this is something that I want. And then I have to show up here and be a host. And you're right. It's a lot more work and people aren't going to be able to see that from the outside. And, you know, eventually you get to a place where maybe you have a, a manager that manages those kind of things mm -hmm. or an assistant, which is great. But in the beginning stages, you are a one or two man show. Yeah. putting everything together and it's harder than just showing up and being yourself. It is, but it's, it's so, it's better the way that you're doing it rather than it just being handed to you yeah. because you're going to appreciate it so much more. And I'm so glad you're doing it too. And cause a lot of people will say, Oh, another podcast. Like, why are you, why are you guys doing another podcast? And it's like, first off, there's room for everyone. Second, you're different. You're you. So you're going to be different than anything else that anybody else is bringing to the table. And it makes me think of Nick Vile. Okay. A lot of people, you know, you think about Nick what you want to. But when Nick started, 
he created that podcast, it wasn't just another Bachelor podcast. He found a niche mm -hmm. and he, as the only male voice, saying things that people were too afraid to say and created it and like just... I've seen him like do the work, do the research, you know, constantly ask certain people outside, find out who has a connection about your nation, bring them in to have these conversations. And then from those conversations, he was able to build another conversation and like his audience grew even bigger and bigger and bigger. So hate him or love him, what he's built in a saturated market with a bunch of Bachelor podcasts and now he's the number one by far, in my opinion, shows what happens when like you believe in yourself you stay focused you bet on yourself and you work hard to get there i agree it's actually funny that you said nick viles podcast because when i first came to la i was like oh i see all bachelor people going on nick viles podcast i would love to i dm'd him he never opened it okay well we, we need to fix that <laughs> that's <laughs> a problem i ran in we live in the same neighborhood i ran into him the other day he was running i was walking dogs <laughs> that that needs to change but it's funny because at first when it happened i was like wow, I automatically went to, I'm not a big name enough for him, or I'm nobody, or like that rejection, that seemingly rejection hurt. But then when I think about it, I'm like, that doesn't affect my life at all. You move forward, you do your own thing. I'll create, maybe I'll cross paths with him in the future. And it's funny to look back and be like, oh, you ignored my, my DM, or you didn't see my DM, whatever it may have been. And look at you now. And it's like, hey, you just do your own thing. You go into your own lane. But I hope that, you know, if anyone's listening, even we get rejected by people in our own yeah. space. <laughs> and that's a good point. You also never know why somebody rejected you. Right. Last summer, I auditioned for two shows hosting. Like, I really want to host another show. And, because I haven't. I, I mean, I do that with podcasts, but even as extra, I was a correspondent. I'm always a guest host. I've never hosted a show and, um, like, by myself. And um, I auditioned for both, and I made one, I made it really far, top three, and I didn't get it. And it was really disheartening to not get, because I was like, this is perfect for me. I felt like I checked all the boxes. Right. But you also just don't know, you know, that person in charge of picking might have always known who they wanted, and they just had to go through the process. Yep. Or you might have, somebody else might not have liked that I'm from Texas. I don't know, or I might have said, you just never know what the reason is and that's why you can't let it stop you exactly and this applies to everything whether it's like a job that you're applying to or a podcast that you want to be on or a door that you really wish was given to be open one i think god is directing everybody mm -hmm. so there's a reason that you didn't get it because maybe something else is going to take up your time and that would have wasted time and taken away from something yeah. else but it's like maybe someone just was more qualified than you and that's oh, and okay that too. yeah <laughs> you just go back to the drawing board and you get better and you get better and then you get better and then all of a sudden you're in a different space and maybe you surpassed what you thought mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. you wanted before so i think that that's amazing and as I get older, I'm like, I'm trying to frame everything in that way yeah. so that you don't feel bad he about the He might not even seen, have seen your DM. I mean, I don't see people's DM a lot of times. Maybe. DM. Remember, bad texter. Maybe you he are a bad texter. Maybe he didn't see it. Maybe he didn't see it. <laughs> um, there's two questions that I ask every guest at the end of the podcast. The first one is, what's your biggest insecurity and how did you overcome it? Oh, my gosh. It can be physical, mental, spiritual, relationship, whatever it was. My biggest insecurity. I mean, if I'm, one was that I would never have a relationship. Oh, that's a good one. Um, just, I had come out of a really tough relationship, bad breakup, per, you know, like there was that, that one who yeah. I thought, oh, this that's is it. One. We're getting married. And it didn't work out. And that was tough for me. And I was very lost after it. And The Bachelor came quickly after that. 
And I just kind of did it to escape the reality. But I, deep down inside, I felt like, oh, no one's ever going to love me. I'm never going to have that. My career, you know, I, I, I was too focused on career, my career. I missed my opportunity. I just, and I was very insecure about being loved and finding love and, and finding love. And even when I was on The Bachelor, that was my biggest struggle. They kept saying, like, open yourself up, be vulnerable. And I was, my insecurity wouldn't allow me to be vulnerable. And on The Bachelorette, even halfway through, I still wasn't there. And then I finally got there. So, I mean, I'm glad I overcame it because, you know, it worked out. But that finding love was like a huge, or being loved was a huge insecurity for me. I feel that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think that everyone thinks that I'm never going to find another one of this mm. or, you mm. know, I'm too old now or I'm too career focused, which it could, it could be definitely a thing where, you know, you're focusing all your energy into the career, but it's like, you also have to open up a little bit of space to maybe go to different things so that you can find someone because a big problem is a lot of people just stay in their house and they never go yeah. anywhere. And it's like, I want a man to show up at your door and knock, but maybe you just have to put yourself out there a little <laughs> you bit. You do have to. I'm glad that you were able to overcome it. Now you're married and you know, you have the partner. So that's amazing. The second question is what do you love about yourself and why, or one thing that you love most about yourself and why? I love, can I tell you what I love about you real quick? Yes. Thank I love you. your networking ability. Okay. Now tell me. <laughs> <laughs> And I still feel like I could do wall. better. I could, <laughs> but I still feel like I need to do better. Um, I love that I don't give a fuck. Ooh, that's a good one. I, but how did you get to not giving an F? I, <laughs> giving an F. <laughs> see, see, she gives a fuck. That's why she won't curse. <laughs> um, and I'm doing it on a Sunday <laughs> after I went to church. Today. Literally. <laughs> it's okay. He knows my heart. Um, how did I get here? Okay, when I was in high school, I really started hanging around a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. And I think that contributed to, okay, so one, watching my parents and seeing just the way that they are, they would navigate life gave me a lot of confidence. Um, I saw them overcome certain things. So I feel like that's where I got that. So I feel like confidence is key to not caring. Having a strong circle of friends and family is also key to saying, I don't really care what the rest of y'all think because I know my, my people, they got me. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot to me. It's why when I finished um, The Bachelor, I went back to Dallas. I was with my family. I went back to work. I was with my friends. Like That stability allowed me to say, this is what matters and this isn't. So I don't really care what the rest of you think. Same thing after Bachelorette, which is why I I, it was important for me for us to move back to Dallas. Hanging out with a lot of guys, I learned how guys think. I mean, I'll never fully know because I'm not a guy. But I learned how guys think, and I learned a lot what they say about us as women. And then I would learn a, the way that they would talk about girls in relationships. And it just made me, it maybe hardened me in, a wrong, in, in the wrong way, but it just made me, I felt like I was in on the secret and it just gave me confidence in, a, in another way. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know if I'm saying it right, Yeah. but just be, being around a lot of guys, I was like, okay, that gave me, I don't know. I, I felt like I was ahead of women in a certain way. I don't think like I'm you explaining knew the secret this. or something. You yes. knew a secret that they didn't know. I don't that changed your mind about something that I don't know if I'm explaining that right or not. But having those close friendships in high school and even in college 
really helped me. And I think too, because, and maybe this is it, maybe this is a better way to explain it. We know men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And a lot of times, you know, and I'm not doing gender stereotypes. We do, and I'm an emotional person. We do, we, we have all the feelings. We think about things that everything is so black and white for guys that they don't think about the things that we do. That's why it's like, don't cross a woman because we're like five steps ahead of you. We're always thinking about certain things. I think to, to be around guys and to see things just like totally just not even phase them and everything be so black and white, it just, I kind of adopted some mm. of that where I was just like, it doesn't even really matter. Right. Cause I would see how they would respond to certain things. So I think a lot of it came from that. And um, yeah, I just feel like I learned at a very young age to not let other people define who I am because that is a dark place to be. You'll never be satisfied if someone else is always telling you who you are and why you're this way. So to have the power to do it myself gives me a lot of confidence and also just makes me say like, I don't really care. That's great advice. I think that a lot of people grow up being told what to do. It's just like inherently. And I did too. Yeah. yeah, Our parents tell us what to do. School tells us what to do. So being able to unlearn that as quick as you can and just really finding who you are and that, I mean, even on the internet, you see trends. Like I heard this one girl talking about like, no one has a personal style and no one has a personality anymore because we're watching something and everyone's like the Kardashians think about the impact that they've had on the way that people speak now everyone sounds like a Kardashian and I even have to make sure that I'm reminding myself I have inflections in my voice I have you know I Mm -hmm. make different tones depending on what I'm talking about and it can be really easy to just pick that up because we're watching and consuming so much of it because we feel like that's what's popping because we feel like that's what's attractive and the quicker that you learn that what you are internally is what makes you special and unique and that's what makes your podcast different or that's what makes your Instagram different or that's what makes your personality and people attracted to you different is the quicker we get to where we want to be. I loved your answer. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast because you're just an amazing human. Thanks for having me. Can you plug yourself real quick? Where can people find you? What are you working on? Maybe drop a little tea so that the listeners can find you somewhere. Um, Okay. You can catch Higher Learning every Tuesday and Friday. A new episode drops. You can get it wherever you get podcasts or you can watch it on YouTube, the whole thing, which you really don't want to miss out on. The, my facial expressions because they tell a whole other story. Uh, Morally Corrupt, a podcast on all things Bravo. You can catch that every Friday. You can still get my books, Miss Me With That in Real Love, um, wherever you get books. And then maybe what Deandra was saying is true or not. I don't know. Stay tuned. She may or may not be on <laughs> TV, so we'll see. Thank you. Thanks.